Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is episode 10 with Kaylin Marcotte. Do you love puzzles? Do you love puzzles but not so much love the boring stock images we often see used on puzzles? Today I'm talking to Jiggy, a startup company that makes stunning puzzles in partnership with female artists that you can then glue and hang up on the wall should you so desire. Kaylin started the brand after her own journey of a late night love of puzzling and soon decided she wanted to bring some sparkle to this space and do things a little differently. This brand is so, so cool, and it's an episode packed with major value for your ears. This is Kaylin for Female Startup Club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Yeah. So I, uh, so my background's in media and marketing. So prior to founding Jiggy, I spent four years at a media startup based here in New York called The Skim. And I met the co-founders of The Skim in 2013. And they, um, they launched in 2012. I met them in 2013, joined them the end of that year. And, um, jumped on board as their as their first employee. So 2014 and 2015 were just like bonkers. Like we did our series A, we hit a million subscribers, we hired moved into the first office, hired the first team. Like amazing, incredible, the kind of rocket ship startup journey that um that was a dream of mine, but also <laughs> all consuming, pretty stressful, you know, 24/7. Um, so I started doing jigsaw puzzles in like 2015 as my kind of stress relief and meditation. And, you know, it was the only thing that really got me away from phones and computers. And I was always multitasking and like, there's no way to multitask and do a puzzle. You have to be all in. So it just, um, just like got me super present and, um, and fell in love with them. So I started doing puzzles about five years ago and the idea lodged somewhere in my mind that like, why can't these be elevated and reinvented and look better? Um, you know, I was doing a lot of like cheesy stock photography or like watercolor cottages and, um, you know, there's so much amazing art out there. And so, uh, the idea of just like reinventing puzzles with incredible artists, um, lodged back like 2015, but I ended up staying with the skim through 2017 and didn't start working on it until I left. Um, and then ultimately launched in 2019. Wow. Cool. And so, how did you decide to like quit your job and go full time without having that like income that you were getting from your salary? Yeah. Um, it was a combination of things. One, I had been at the skin for about four years and there was so much growth and change and it was incredible. And I was just like, felt great about what I had accomplished there and was ready just ready for my next challenge. So I was thinking about what was next for me already. And this idea was still there. And by then this was, you know, mid late 2017, there had been like the adult coloring book fad and um, there were like these wine and paint nights and, you know, there just seemed like there was an appetite for creative analog activity, just, you know, back to the basics and, and, doing something offline with your hand. So um, I had still been thinking on it. I was still doing puzzles myself. And I was like, all right, I think there's actually a business to be made here. Um, and I want to be the one to do it. So I decided to dive in really just like spotting the opportunity, still caring about and having conviction in the idea. Um, and then like income wise was just like, all right, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Um, how do we make this happen? So one, I, um, moved in, I had let go of my apartment in New York, um, and traveled for a little bit. And then when I got back, I moved in with my boyfriend and we started splitting rent on a studio apartment. Um, and I also started consulting. So while I was working on starting Jiggy, I started taking on freelance projects, um, what I did with the skin was our kind of grassroots marketing. So our brand ambassador program, skin ambassadors, um, our social media and email content and, um, and basically a community building and grassroots marketing. So I started taking on some projects uh, on a freelance basis just, and that was uh, income stream and, um, and then working on Jiggy at the same time. Yeah, that's so cool. And also like so, that must have been so nice having them being supportive of your new kind of journey and taking you into that next phase and like nurturing that relationship you would have already had with them through your time from the very beginning. Yes, 100%. And they've been so supportive and it's just it's great to be surrounded especially you know, I'm a solo founder, so not having a co-founder, not having really a team yet, um, really just kind of being a one-woman show. It's been so nice to have uh, already networked in this 
female founder community and just find support there. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's really cool. And so what did you do? Did you have to, like, how does it, how do you start a puzzle brand? Like, yeah. do you need a lot of capital to start? Like, how do you find the manufacturer? Let's let's go from the very beginning. Yeah, so um, coming from media, the whole physical product world was totally new to me. So I absolutely stumbled my way through every step of it. But um Basically, I mean, I knew like they're, you know, puzzles themselves aren't a new invention. So there are a bunch of puzzle manufacturers out there, but I knew that I wanted to um, make, make the puzzle itself higher quality, but also fully reinvent the packaging. So not that, you know, cardboard rectangular box, every puzzle ever made has come in with a plastic bag inside. Um, I really wanted to, to, fully customize everything. So that itself was a journey. We have seven um, suppliers for the finished product and the pieces come in this reusable glass jar. Um, and so there's, you know, we have a glass factory, the puzzle, we have a puzzle factory, the box is done by the same people. It's a paper mill. Um, the, the other component, which I haven't touched on yet is that each puzzle includes puzzle glue. So I also wanted to solve for the kind of question is of like, what do you do with a puzzle once you're done with it? You know, you've spent 10, 15, however long hours, um, uh, constructing this image and then it's done and you essentially have this print. Um, and if it's real art that you actually enjoy, you know, cannot be something you keep and frame and hang. So, um, each puzzle, each jiggy comes with puzzle glue. So, you know, sourcing the puzzle glue. Okay. What do we put it in? I was very, um, very adamant that we don't use plastic. So basically every, I see now why it's such a dominant, uh, you know, um, material in that the easiest and cheapest, cheapest answer for almost anything is to use plastic, but, um, definitely added more work and cost by choosing not to, but felt really strongly about that. So that's where the glass jar came in that the pieces come in. Um, and the tube that the puzzle glue comes in is aluminum. Um, and then there's a, a metal scraper straight edge tool to spread the glue. Um, but yeah, ultimately there are seven, seven vendors and each one was its own like circuitous, um, process to get there. You know, some were pretty straightforward. I searched on, you know, um, manufacturing like Maker's Row is one and even just Alibaba and just trying to get a feel for what was out there, what needed to be custom, what didn't. Um, but then for the puzzles and the boxes that really needed to be like a, an experienced partner. because we wanted to customize everything. So, and multiple rounds of sampling and, and all of that. So, um, that ended up coming through a, I, you know, I started talking about it with everybody. I think there's some advice out there to like, keep your idea close to the chest. I, I was excited. I wanted to get feedback. I wanted to share it and get people's thoughts. And they ended up a lot of them being very helpful conversation. So I'm kind of in the camp of like, share your idea, let people, you know, help you and, and get feedback early on. Um, so I was catching up with this girl that I went to college with and we weren't even that good friends in college, but we ended up connecting afterwards. We met at the wing in New York and, um, I told her about this idea and, um, she introduced me to her high school friend's dad. That's what I mean. Like it was just one of those things um, who used to work in book publishing and knew this guy living in LA who represented this factory in Hong Kong that made books. And she's like, well, puzzles, like it's cardstock, right? So like maybe if they make books, they can make this. And it was like totally just um, one of those, you know, six degrees of separation things. So uh, they ended up being our factory. And I will say that was a huge learning curve of, I just kind of thought like, you know, you have an idea for a product, there are factories out there that make things, you pay them to make it. And like, that's it. And I didn't really realize the, especially for a new business and a small business, like we're certainly not a big order for them by their standards. So, um, 
you know, that, that they, that it's really a partnership and they see it as, you know, taking us on as well as, um, as a new business and, and risk there. And, um, so yeah, that figuring out our, our manufacturing partners, convincing them to, you know, take a chance on us, um, that probably took six months. Yeah. It takes a while. (laughs) I feel like, for myself personally and for anyone I speak to, manufacturing is just the biggest hurdle. And yeah. it takes so much longer than you expect. Like I was definitely the same as you, thinking it would just be like, oh, yeah, find a factory and there you go. Wrong. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And did you start with like – did you have to have a lot of capital to start the business or you are able to kind of bootstrap it as you went along? Yeah, luckily I was able to bootstrap it as I went along. I knew I didn't want to raise outside capital in the beginning, um, and I I haven't yet, and I'm hoping to keep it that way. Um, so it definitely like it was a decision, and it changed how I ended up doing things. If I had raised a bunch and could just like plow through certain things, or just you know um, the the time or money trade off, I definitely spent more time than money, but. Um, yeah, I there were some upfront costs. I mean, just the basic like incorporating and setting up the company, legals, all of that. But um, on the actual manufacturing side, there were deposits I had to make upfront, um, and that just came from savings. And then, luckily, um, I was able to start selling before I had to pay off the rest. So um, you know, it was like a net sixty for payment terms, um, for the factory. And I was able to actually start selling, taking orders on the site. So, so have some revenue before I had to pay it off. So, um, I think, yeah, that that was definitely a learning and, and would be advice to anyone in this position of just thinking creatively, you know, cash flow is, is the biggest, um, kind of factor to balance and, and keep in mind. So, um, just getting creative with, you know, payment terms and timelines and can you pre-order, or pre-sell or sell gift cards, redeemable, you know, are there ways to, to make it work um, in terms of cash flow? But yeah, we, I bootstrapped and, and was able to make it work. Um, and then, you know, other costs wise, it was mainly just the inventory, again, some legal fees. And then we're run on Shopify. Um, I used one of like the Shopify templates. It's funny, everyone's like, who did you, who did your site? Like, who did this? I'm like, ah, me and a Shopify template. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think just, you know, being, being scrappy and using what you can and, um, and making it work. And it's funny because people like the feedback is in, you know, like it's so like minimalist and like nice and chic and, and minimal. And I'm like, super intentional, super intentional. Like little do they know it's like the only site I could really figure out how to do. So I think there are, um, you know, silver linings from having constraints and just yeah. going with it. Yeah. And I feel like as well for your product, you probably like sell people on the product before they even get to the site. You don't need all the bells yeah. and whistles. Like people are in when they see your Instagram. Totally. And then they just click yeah. through and use the functionality to buy. Yeah, that is true. It's such a visual product. Instagram has been great for us. And and it's like, there's not a ton of education. It's not a brand new, like people are familiar with puzzles. There's like already some nostalgia or association or memory, you know, and then seeing them, you know, elevated and artsy and it just clicks and people are like, oh, I get it. This is cool. The price point, you know, 40, 40, both both SKUs are under $50. So it's like accessible enough that people convert, um, you know, just from seeing it on, on its social media. So yeah, there's, there's a lot less kind of education we have to do around it. We still want to story tell about us as a brand and the artists we work with and their work and stories, of course, but um, it is like a very um, kind of immediate resonance of people are like, okay, yeah. And I feel like your product really lends itself to word of mouth marketing because you see something on Instagram or you see something on someone's story and you're instantly like, Oh, what is that? Like that's real. I've had, when I've posted about you, multiple people have come back to me being like, that's so cool. I'm going to order one because 
you just mm-hmm. see it and you're like, it's different. It's, so it's exactly like the, yeah. the kind of thing you want to do in your spare time versus like a puzzle that's a stock photo. Right, right. Yes. I think it's very like social chatter, you know, worthy in that people um, see it and want to share it. And then once they receive it and have it in their homes and are doing it, you know, for days, weeks, then, you know, they kind of track the progress and show how they're doing. Um, yeah. And then once it's done, they're proud of themselves and want to share it. So it's definitely a product kind of um, with these moments of sharing embedded into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk a lot about how you actually launched and started to grow the community because I feel like you would have a very like engaged, loyal kind of fan base from what you've been creating and especially with the artists that you're okay. working with. Um, so what was your launch strategy? Yeah, so we launched in November, right before the holidays. Um, and the launch strategy started just super organic with my just my network and friends and family and um, announcing it. We had started the Instagram probably about a month before, um, maybe a little longer. And so started just kind of teasing things and, and building some traction there. Um but really just launched with an announcement to, to our social following and, um, and my friends and family that we were live and start sharing. Um, also the artists that we work with, you know, they're all emerging. They're not hugely established, but some of them had their own followings or listservs. And so, um, they were excited to share it. Um, so started super organically and then uh, went into the holidays and pushed the you know holiday gifting and and press around gift guides and you know these product roundups and lists um, and started Instagram then as well so um, some paid on Instagram and and like gift guides um, were probably the biggest growth factor in the first few weeks months yeah really cool and and then as you've kind of become more known and I've, I've seen that you've had like really impressive press and on like teen vogue and these kinds of things has your strategy changed or are you still doing those same kinds of things and getting great results yeah, still doing the, the same things. We've layered on a couple um, other initiatives. So we started doing some in-person stuff, which has been really fun. Um, obviously, that's on pause right now, given the circumstances. But before that, we had had a series of puzzle parties. Um, so it was so, fun. so cool. We, um, yeah, I was curious to see how it would go. We hosted our first one. It was like a soft launch party, puzzle party. And, um, I hosted it here in New York at the Soho house. And I was curious if people would like, you know, just like come and have a drink and kind of look at them, but like not really engage. And it was the opposite. People showed up to puzzle. They were like, all right, I hear, I'm here. I brought a friend. We have 90 minutes. Like how much can we get through? It was like competitive puzzling. Um, and so that was really fun to see. We hosted a couple others with a hotel here and a co-working space, um, a couple in people's apartments. We started, uh, like kind of a very, um, early beta version of like kind of an ambassador program where you host your own puzzle party, um, invite your friends, do one together. Um, so yeah, that's been really fun to see. And it's fun for me to see, cause I started, as I mentioned, um, kind of the founding story, I started puzzling alone as like my kind of stress relief and meditation, but, um, it's, it's been really fun to see it as a social, you know, tool and activity of, of people coming together over puzzles. So um, we started doing some in-person stuff with the parties and uh, just continuing the um, organic social of building our own content <clears throat> on Instagram, some paid on Instagram and, um, and press. That's been kind of the, the uh, magic combination for us. I feel like for you guys, partnerships will be such a a wonderful thing as well because your brand aligns with like other really cool brands that really thrive on social media and 
can do wonderful things and create magic together. Have you done any partnerships to date? Yes, 100%. I am so excited about some of the partnership ideas that we have in the works. Um, have we launched any to date? We did um, We did a couple for March for Women's History Month. <clears throat> and um, we partnered with a – it's called the National Museum for Women in the Arts. And it's the only major museum in the world that is dedicated to championing women in the arts. So we partnered with them around international uh, – or March 8th, which was, yeah, International Women's Day. Um, and then we also partnered, there's this amazing um, creative here based in New York as well, Jessica Walsh, and she has her own agency. Oh, I love her. You do? Me too. I've been like such a fan for a long time. And so um, had been thinking about her for Jiggy even before we launched and then reached out. And um, we partnered with her nonprofit, Ladies Wine Design, for March as well for Women's History Month. So we donated a percentage of sales uh, and we're talking about collaborating on a a design for a new puzzle. Um, So yeah, we have a couple other brands that we're talking to and working on as well, but I'm, I'm really excited about some of the brand partnerships and um, like larger artists that, that we intend to work with too. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's so cool. I um only discovered her recently on Instagram and was just such a fangirl straight, straight from that moment. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and get her on the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. She's been great. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to talk, obviously, about the current kind of climate with everything that's going on. Um, A lot of brands are obviously in sort of bad positions and everything, but I feel like you're probably a brand that's thriving. Um, And I know we spoke earlier about the fact that you were kind of like running out of stock and all this kind of stuff. But do you want to talk about how it's affected you? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were, we had kind of mapped out the the rest of the year in terms of the big campaigns and moments we were doing. And then, um, you know, obviously this, this all happened and 
circumstances that that you could never foresee or wish for. Um, but one silver lining of everyone being home is a lot more time to discover um, kind of just, I think, going back to the basics and, you know, putting things in perspective and just wanting to be present and creative and do something with their hands and spend quality time, you know, with people or alone. Um, so I think puzzles as, as a tool for that has has been great to see people connect with and rediscover. So, um, I mean, we started, it was pretty, pretty direct, you know, um, correlation between when people started staying home more and when our sales just, um, shot up and we sold out of the best sellers pretty quickly and now have, have one, uh, design left. So for us, it just changed kind of the, the timeline and prioritization and we just rushed right back into production um, and, you know, working on restocking and, and brought up the timeline of our new collection launch. Um, and of course, you know, with any spike in, in demand or sales, a ton more customer service and, and outreach um, and social media and, you know, DMS and everything that we have to be on top of. So not to mention like shipping and logistics and fulfillment. So it it has just kind of been a mad dash all around and and thrown me way back into the weeds and and um kind of reactionary mode of just trying to keep up with everything. Um so yeah, it's been it's been busy, but it's all, you know, talk about perspective. It's all it's all good things and and good problems to have and so the initiative we're launching next week um we're donating all of our proceeds to COVID relief efforts and, um, you know, just supporting the artists in more ways. Um, so, you know, just very aware that, that we've been really fortunate, um, to, you know, we have a small team, but still able to, to keep everyone, um, and want to do our part and give back where we can. Who are the people that you have on your team? Are they all local in New York or are they like remote workers? Yeah. So we've, um, we have been remote from the start. So I have a part-time operations person. So I was very, I was very glad that I did everything once and, you know, for, for the first run for launch, every piece of it, you know, um, did, did myself. So know how everything works and, the factory relationships and the fulfillment and freight forwarders and, you know, all the things. Um, but also very quickly realized like my, my time and strengths are so much better suited elsewhere in the business. So, um, let's, let's bring someone on for this. I have a part-time operations person in Michigan. So we've actually never met. She, we were introduced. She's amazing, but all, all remote. Um, and then I have a, couple graphic designers that I've used, um, and product design. So all of our packaging and, um, and branding I've used product designers, graphic designers, um, two based in New York, but remote as well. Um, and then I, for the holidays for our launch and holiday season, um, enlisted a freelance PR person to help with some of that. Um, and then I have an intern from my college when I, I went to school here in New York and I posted in our, like, like a Facebook group I still have access to. And so I have a student, um, who is interning, um, and that's also now remote because school is closed. So she's at home. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of great that you started off by having a remote team and just working in that kind of like manner from the very beginning. And not having yeah. to adjust when all of yeah. this happened as well. Yeah, yeah. Being having already worked from home a lot and and having the team kind of set up and familiar um, with processes and everything that way has definitely uh, helped with, with kind of just the adjustment and learning curve. Do you think in hindsight there's anything that you would have done differently? especially around the packaging and like having all the different suppliers and that kind of thing? I know I've thought about that a lot because um, 
it, it, it has certainly not been the most economical decisions. Uh, you know, the, the dimensions from like the materials themselves that we use to then just the dimensions of the product, you know, mean that shipping can get expensive if the right box size isn't used because it enters dimensional weight and like, you know, all these, these things. Um, but then on the other hand, seeing people, you know, open and interact with and respond to the product, like, I still feel like it needed to be that way and it needs to be that way. And, you know, the art is amazing, but the packaging is like such an experience and it's a big differentiator. And so I have days where I'm like, oh, I was like way too precious about that and it took too long and it cost too much. And then, you know, I see the responses, even just like what we're tagged in on Instagram or I did these pop-up markets. So I actually, you know, saw people in real time kind of touching and feeling it and, you know, their responses. And I think it's still what, you know, makes it special and feel like um, an experience and, and a treat versus just like, you know, one of those dusty old puzzles. So um, 100% that you shove in the back of the, the yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So I still go back and forth, but we're, we're sticking with it. Um, and I think it really just comes down to like, what kind of a brand and product do you want to build and how you want to position it in the market? You know, is it, is it a little bit more elevated? Is it a higher price point? Um, or are you trying to make it super habitual, accessible to everyone? You know, so um, yeah, I think, I think it could evolve. I also could definitely see a world where we have a couple different lines, you know, different product lines and, and at different price points with different materials. Um, so that's something I've been thinking about as well. How many, um, collections do you plan to do in a year? And do you also like change the artists every time or do you yeah, so- the same? Right now we're planning like three to four collections a year. Um, the The first one that we launched with, the debut collection, was really just kind of my eye, my taste, things that I curated and loved and artists I wanted to work with. We're moving to a little bit more kind of thematic and seasonal. Um, so our collection launching next month is um, very kind of summery. And uh, new artists, a couple, a couple repeats, just because there were. I licensed before we launched. I licensed like thirty to forty pieces, and we only manufactured six. Um, and there were some that I just like felt I fell in love with, and so we've included two of those in the next collection, and then um, four new artists. And um, yeah, planning to, and then we'll have another collection for. Um, for the end of this year for the holidays. So get, just scaling up and getting up to speed to be able to do um, about three to four a year with different themes and, and, um, and seasons attached. And then on top of those kind of evergreen collections, we're also planning to do a kind of more limited edition, like drops of, of cool collaborations. So those will be kind of peppered in throughout the year. Oh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> and are you guys, at the moment, you're just direct-to-consumer, D2C. Are you planning to do wholesale and expand the business that way? Yeah, I was I was definitely planning to before all this happened. And I actually went to our first trade show and got great feedback and um, a ton of interest. And now, you know, most all of the stores are closed. So we've kind of put a pause on that to, you know, meanwhile, the store is closed and our online D to C demand shot up. So um, we kind of just paused wholesale, but I'm definitely interested, especially with some of the kind of, you know, uh, smaller local boutiques and, and gift shops and the places where, you know, people who, who live there go to for discovery. And, you know, it's, it's just, um, aligned with our kind of brand and mission and, and supporting artists. So, uh, yes, definitely interested in wholesale in the future. Um, and we actually, we, we had one small account. Um, there's 
I don't know if you've heard of feed, the feed bags. Um, they, there are these tote bags and now they launch backpacks and leather goods, but, um, it's called feed and it was started by Lauren Bush, Lauren, who, um, who it's a donation model and supports, um, feeding kids across the world. Um, and so they have a, a shop and cafe here in Brooklyn. Um, so we have, uh, sold jiggies in their store, um, and a couple others here and there, but we were really planning on ramping up wholesale. And that's been one change that we've just had to been be dynamic with of, you know, potentially bringing on a salesperson or um, going to more trade shows and, and scaling that up. And now, you know, that was kind of the first thing that, that we put pause on and, and, um, and deprioritized with everything happening. And where was the trade show that you went to? It was here in New York. It was at the Javits Center. Um, and it was just really interesting. I mean, there were buyers from all over the world. Um, and, you know, that side of the business is so new to me as, you know, with the skim, it wasn't a physical product, but it was a consumer, you know, brand. So how to talk to and interact with and, you know, sell to consumers, I was something, you know, I had done and was familiar with, but the insider world and how to do that B2B was, is, is still totally new. So a lot of um, good feedback and learning to be taken from that. And yeah, we'll see. I'm excited to do more of them. Um, And, and some in New York, and then there are big ones throughout the US um, that we were looking at doing as well. Yeah. And I, th- I think like for the trade shows, it's obviously a really big investment to go into a trade show and you have to be super prepared. What did you have to do beforehand to make the most of it? Um, when it was coming to like your outreach to other buyers mm-hmm. and knowing who was even going to be there, did you have to prepare like a custom stall? Yeah. So we, I will say we definitely did the smallest booth possible and <laughs> just made it work. You know, yeah, I heard like people do whole build outs and construct walls and paint and it can be like tens of thousands of dollars. We very homemade version um, and got the smallest booth and I bought like a couple shell furniture off Amazon. Um, but to prepare, you know, went through the attendee list and did some outreach beforehand, you know, sharing, we're going to be here. Here's our booth number. Um, you know, this is our line sheet. Come swing by. We'd love to connect in person. So did a bunch of outreach beforehand of people who would be there. Um, and I really use it as an opportunity, of course, you know, wanted sales and, and leads to come from it, um, to have conversations start there. But also really use it as like a test to see what was the appetite, you know, which kinds of designs resonated. What was it? Was there certain geographies of um, people who thought that their customers would really like it versus others? Um, you know, our gender split, we only use female artists, would like male buyers be interested? And so I kind of used it, used it as an opportunity to really just kind of test some of my hypotheses Um and and gather feedback so um it it served both i got a ton of feedback um learned a lot from our conversations and also had interest uh and and took some real orders so all in all i think it was was a good learning um to do early on what was a learning that you got out of that that you were really surprised about that you maybe hadn't thought of yet I think I just learned like how important like merchandising in terms of, cause we played around with our display there and like, you know, we had a couple of the puzzles fully completed and framed to show like the end result. And, you know, some of the skews that like hadn't really stood out before once they were completed and framed in kind of this like hero moment, everybody was interested in those um, you know, telling the story of the artists behind them and, and people connecting with different aspects of, oh, like this is, you know, a, this is an artist in New York who had a whole career before she discovered collage art and connecting with that or, you know, um, this, 
Nigerian artist who now like I licensed from a year and a half ago and is blowing up and she's had two New Yorker covers and people like we really connected with that. So yeah, I think the learning about just merchandising and how to display, um, you know, how to connect the dots for people and, and display the product um, and kind of, I don't know, learn from like guiding, you know, which ones we, which ones did we want to sell? And so how do we, you know, show those off. Um, it was interesting to, to play around with. What's your um, most popular product on the store from the current stuff? Yeah, our current bestseller is uh, called Bathing with Flowers. And it's okay. by this amazing Slovenian artist, Alja Horvat. And um, it's this, it's a woman in her bathtub surrounded by plants and flowers. And it's just like beautiful and colorful Um and so, yeah, that has been the bestseller so far. But uh, another learning, it's been interesting to see how it changes. Like um, one of ours called Berlin Magalog. It's like very striking and dramatic and kind of high fashion looking. And so the San Francisco MoMA Museum of Modern Art um, purchased her to wholesale in their, show, in their gift shop. Um, and like a Vogue writer we were talking to chose her, um, as a gift. And so that one's, it's been interesting to see a little more like the artsy kind of high fashion, sophisticated, uh, crowds. Um, and then we have like a big flamingo that's like playful and beachy and fun. And so a lot of like Florida and like, you know, kind of a vacation town. So it's, it's been fun to like see the different, what resonates with, um, with who. I really love the um, the boobs one, and I posted yeah. it on my Instagram today, and I had a few girls write back and tell me which their boobs were. <laughs> I love it. So I thought that one would have been um, the most popular. I just thought it was so good. Yeah, um, that's your, where's your like? Where's your biggest customer base? Um, I would say New York. I mean, last time I looked, it was um, kind of the big like us markets that we would predict like new york california um texas chicago illinois and i think some georgia and florida um internationally we get the most demand from the uk and um australia actually one of our artists uh is australian and so she posted about it a lot and so i think a lot of her followers um are australian so we have a lot of demand from australia um and then we shipped to UK, Canada, and um, lately have been getting interest from other European, a lot of outreach from Germany and Portugal and Spain. So hoping to figure out our shipping a little more and bring costs down and be able to to serve more places. Yeah, the shipping's a really hard one. Yeah. Are you thinking about going on Amazon? Not right now. Less a logistics question than just a brand question. We don't want to be on Amazon quite yet. But um, yeah, I mean, shipping, I don't I don't think I realized just as a consumer how, you know, Amazon has created these expectations that are like fully impossible to meet as a young company. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't think I realized how how expensive shipping gets. So yeah, it's a theme I hear with everyone that I speak to. And, yeah. and the question of like building it in or adding it on, um, it's just so tough. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I just thought like transparency wise, we still subsidize, like we pay for, you know, half the shipping essentially right now. So it's still subsidized, but, um, yeah, I don't know, like baking it in, you know, it would put our one of our price points like in the mid fifties. And I was just like, I don't want people to be like, what? I'm paying like $60 for a puzzle. I'm like, yeah. I know, but like we have to get it to you and it costs a lot. So yeah. And I we, think as well, because your product is so great for gifting as well. And you want to keep in the bracket that's like gift appropriate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like, um, you know, both, both products are under $50. So yeah, like $50 for a nice gift. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are very comfortable with, but, um, yeah, shipping, we've definitely gotten, gotten feedback on and I hope to bring it down. It's, it's just one of the biggest costs of the company right now. Yeah, for sure. Nightmare. Um, I usually ask every woman the same six questions, but before I get to that, I just wanted to ask, 
um, if you had any advice for someone who was wanting to start a business or go into the startup world, what would that be? Yeah, I think, um, I think for me, I, you know, I listen to a lot of these, how I built this and like different podcasts. And I think I still found it kind of unattainable or there's always something that, you know, you're like, Oh, I could learn that more. I could, I need to like, get more experience in this area and this area. And finally, I was just like, I don't know if there's ever a good time. I don't know if you ever feel totally prepared. And I think really what you need is just like grit to get through it. And, you know, listening to some of those podcasts, ultimately, I was like, the only difference between having an idea and having a company is doing it. And so I just kept coming back to, um, to, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And I think it's so true now having done it. Like, you know, I think, I think there's no kind of secret sauce, silver bullet, you know, um, shortcuts. I think you just have to do the work and problem solve everything that comes up and, you know, work through obstacles. Um, and so I hope that people who have an idea are just starting out and might think that, you know, there's something, that they are missing or lacking or still need to learn or do. Um, I think just, you know, dive in and, and take it one day at a time. And that's, that's really the only thing standing in the way. Yeah. It's just like a series of tiny, tiny steps that compound over the whole time. And then you look back and you're like, Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So six questions. It's like a, a quick fire kind of round. Um, And I think I've shown them to you or you might've heard them already from some of my other episodes. Um, Number one is what's your why? My why is to support female artists work and to reconnect people with the pleasure of some downtime. What is the number one marketing strategy that made your business pop? Or the number one thing that happened to you that made it pop. Oh, okay. Well, early on, so um, a month in post-launch, we were on the Today Show. So that was like the biggest kind of single day, like, wow factor. Um, And then on kind of just an an everyday, like slower burn, um, definitely Instagram, both paid and organic. Um, cause I, it also allows, I mean, we're DMing people every day. It allows for like relationship building, um, with people as well. Yeah, absolutely. You can really have that like dialogue and like hear what people are saying. Exactly. Love Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you hang out to get smarter? I, from going to college in New York and now having been here since 2008, so 12 years, um, I just have such a community here of people in different industries, which I love. I'm from LA, a lot of friends in San Francisco. I think kind of my sister's in DC, like kind of like single industry towns, I think are are interesting. But what I one thing I love about New York is that everyone I know does something different. And so I get so much inspiration and creativity from, you know, these very kind of cross-functional interdisciplinary um, groups of friends and, and um, networking groups that I'm in. Love that. <laughs> um, how do you win the day is question number four. Hmm. And this is around your like AM and PM rituals, things that you do to like keep productive, keep happy. Yeah. Um, I, Definitely. So I'm not a morning person, which I feel like a lot of people's days like start with their morning. I finally read this article in the New York Times that was like, being a morning person does not make you like moral or like, you know, like a good, a good person. I think night owls like get some heat sometimes, but, um, I, I, when I feel like I've really won the day, it's when it's the days when I've like really nailed the balance of prioritizing my friends and relationships and work and myself. So um, 
it's always a negotiation to, to balance those things. But um, the days when I've really, you know, now it looks like having a FaceTime or a phone call um, with a friend and, you know, just being present for dinner with my fiance and, you know, banging through my to-do list um, and then getting some time to, I still puzzle as my unwind. Um, so some days it's not possible, but the days that I really feel like empowered and like I've owned it are, are when I nail that balance. Yeah. And if you only had $1,000 left in your business bank account, where would you spend it or allocate those funds towards? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would, that's a hard question. I think I would try to buy as many puzzles as we can. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the artists get a percentage of that. So, so uh, some of it would go to the artists who we work with. And um, yeah, I mean, ultimately I want, I want to get as many people puzzling and reconnected with it as possible. So um, I think, yeah more inventory and, and being able to serve more customers. And final question is how do you deal with failure? And that can be either a specific example or just a general approach. I'm like pretty um, kind of action oriented and that I, I like take a moment and kind of like, what can we learn? What can we grieve? But um, I, I like move forward pretty quickly um, and so I think with failure, you know, that, that motion looks like, um, trying something new and just taking any lessons that can be learned, but iterating what did work, what didn't work, um, and just continuing, you know, I think a lot of times the failure, was it the idea? Was it the execution? You know, which, um, what made it a failure and then trying a different, different route, but always keep moving. Love it. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time you. to talk with me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you today. I love that. Um, where can people find you? You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Jiggy Puzzles, and our website is jiggypuzzles.com. Fab. <laughs> Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. 
And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.